Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. This episode is brought to you by Snapple. Want to know another Snapple fact? The first hot air balloon passengers were a sheep, a duck, and a rooster. Ridiculous. Check out Snapple.com to find ridiculously flavored Snapple near you. Howdy hi, it's Maybe Baby. Can you believe it's episode 16 of this series, Bodge? I cannot believe that, cowboy. Strange <laughs> intro. I'm surprised. because I said, hey, howdy hi. It's very uh, country and western. Thank you for your observation. I'm, uh, we're doing well. I'm surprised we haven't argued more. Because season one, we were really willing to rip each other's heads off. We had a big argument before every episode. Before every episode. It was so you much- would cry, you would storm out. You know, it was like... Sometimes I would say... Forget it. I'm not doing it tonight. <laughs> and we'd pack up yeah. the equipment and we wouldn't be able to record because the vibe was so bad. <laughs> on a Sunday. There was once you stormed out. You're like, I'm not doing it. I was like, okay, but it's <laughs> like, I know we're not legally obligated to pay out this podcast, but you still feel bad to let people down if we just don't do it because <laughs> you've had a half. But no, this season's been really nice. We kind of, what we've done is we've developed a nice level of kind of passive aggressiveness that never really boils over, haven't we? Yeah, I agree. I really feel like this time around you've grown as a person. So it's, it's, you're saying it's my fault. This week's guest is an absolute <laughs> legend. Uh, we've wanted to chat to this lovely lady since the last season, so very excited to have her on. She faced quite the battle after giving birth, and she's very candid about that in this episode, which makes her the perfect guest to talk about what the first year of parenting is really like. I mean, it helps that she's a comedian mm-hmm. and could treat some of it with gallows humour, but it's important <laughs> that we hear how shit it can be, right? Yeah. So now I'm more prepared for the worst and to find you, you know, wandering around the house at 3am looking ready to leave me for what I put inside you. Yeah. It's going to happen. Is it? Yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> Brilliant. It's not even a word anymore. It's just Br- a sound. Brilliant. We'll be back at the end with some shout outs and chat, but in the meantime, enjoy this week's episode. Today's guest is one of the UK's funniest comedians, a stalwart of shows such as 8 Out of 10 Cats, Mock the Week and The Mash Report. She's toured all over the country with her stand-up and still had time to fit in a radio show with our previous guest, the lovely Anna Whitehouse, a.k.a. Mother Pucker. Having previously championed Living Child Free, she's now the proud owner of a small two-year-old who we believe is in good health. So to tell us more about how we survive the first 12 months of parenthood, it's the one, the only, Ellie Taylor! Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, there she is. Lord. I haven't been on stage for so long because of all this COVID stuff. Um, it's lovely to hear some applause. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> How are you? Very well, thank you. Yeah, all good. How are you feeling? We're good. We're just hyped to have you on the show because we've wanted you on since the last series and... If anyone's going to give us an honest account of what the first year of parenting's like, it's you. Do you know, I remember when you were doing the first series and you asked me to come on and my baby was only, 
I don't know, weeks or months old. So this is in itself a good example of the first 12 months in mm. that at the time you were like, you come to our studios or, or we can come to you. And both of those things felt so overwhelming as a prospect. Mm. I was like, I can't, there's no way I can get to your studios. I have a baby I have to feed every two seconds. Yeah. And then and then come, having people to your house, well, I don't know when she's going to be sleeping and what state I'm going to be in. And then now, I don't even know where she's downstairs watching some telly with her dad. She's fine. <laughs> That's good. Um, sort of a vague geographical knowledge of where she is. But yes, it's, it's an absolute world away from those first early days. Well, we'll go back to that. First of all, I'd like to know what made you change your mind about wanting a child. Because like me, you said a couple of years before you fell pregnant, I have no maternal instincts. I'd much rather have a cat. Except mine was I'd much rather have a dog. What made you change your mind? Do you know, it's quite bleak, really. But I think there are a lot of women, a lot of women, Kate, like you and I. So you've got the women who are like known they want children since they're about 10, that really broody. Yeah. And then there's women who don't want children. Mm. And then there's sort of us lot in the middle ground who are like, well, I don't really know. Um, and I just got to a point in my sort of early 30s where I decided that I didn't, you know, I'm not, I was never into babies. I never cooed at babies. They just didn't make me go gooey in any way. Mm. Uh, I looked forwards and I thought, well, what do I want my life to look like when I'm older? And I basically came to the conclusion that I couldn't imagine dying having not been a mum. Strong. (laughs) Yes, right. And so from that sort of bleak, dark imagery, it was kind of like, oh, probably should do it then, shouldn't we? So it wasn't like gleefully jumping into it, couldn't wait. Yeah, it was sort of like a process of coming to that decision uh, but then once I was pregnant, I don't know if it's the same for you, once I was pregnant, then I've, I cannonballed into the world of, of like reading everything and wanting to know everything. And then I really got into it. Then yeah. I got excited. Same. Um, but before that, I was yeah very ambivalent. I've got to say the transformation for Kate has been remarkable because before, whenever I said, you know, you'd be a good mum, you're like, ugh, uh, uh, <laughs> kids. Uh. And now, I did not behave And now like... I just catch you stroking your bump being like, oh, hello, Nutschke. I can't wait to look at you for the rest of your life. It's just like, she's obsessed. So it's amazing that, that transformation. I love it. I'm so happy it's happened. I wonder if... For both Kate and I, because when a woman says she doesn't like children, it's still sort of seen as a bit deviant, isn't it? It's, mm, it's, yeah. it's not right. A woman is meant to want children. So if you say that you don't want children, you don't like children, it sort of makes people brisk a little bit, a little bit. Mm. And I wonder, for show-offs like you and me, um, <laughs> if we play up to that a little bit. So I think I never, it sort of became like, I became like a parody. I was like Miss Hannigan from like Annie. <laughs> from Annie, but yeah. I wasn't really that anti-children, but I sort of was playing the part because that was the role. That was like, oh, Ellie doesn't like babies it was that that's the role that I played I have never been able to put into words what you have just said and that is that has always been my suspicion that you've played up to it Kate right no I just genuinely don't like children (laughs) um I never played up to anything look at me with my nephews do you know what it just I wasn't interested and it doesn't mean that I didn't like them yeah that was exactly the same as me and my sister and her children she would get upset because she was like all my friends sisters want to come and babysit and I had no absolutely no interest in spending time with them I've, I've and now I feel like such a bitch. Yeah, when I, look back. <laughs> yeah I know. Um, you are seen as you are seen as heartless. But I, mm. but not you what, personally. Not you personally. <laughs> Generally, but, but people are like, how can you not want kids? Uh, and at the time, I would say, how can you want kids? Like living child free is something that I felt completely and utterly content with. And I genuinely feel that had I not met Bodge and had he not been so not pressurising me, but if you if you were quite happy to live child free as well, I don't think we'd be here. 
How was it with your hubby? What were the conversations like, do you know me, leading up to you trying? Yeah, he wasn't massively into kids either. So he's uh, nine years older than me. Mm -hmm. So he's managed to have, you know, have a a longer period of being child-free, lucky bugger. He's had like nearly another 10 years of (laughs) lay-ins. Little shit. Um, (laughs) Yeah. So he he wasn't massively interested, but again, kind of came to the conclusion that you know, arguably, it's why we're here. So let's let's have a big life experience. Mm. Um, but he doesn't really want a second one. So that's the next hurdle to try and work out what to do. Oh, about. that's, that's yeah. going to be one of my questions, actually. Because you were happy living child-free and now you've had your daughter, has it put you off wanting to do it again? Yeah. Or do you feel like now you've done it, you'd like to do it again? It's a It's a real mix. Like I remember in the really dark newborn days... I remember making my husband sort of take a misery archive of me. So I would make him take photos when I was at my lowest because I was like, I want to remember. I don't just want the smiley photos of me looking lovingly at this child on the sofa. I want you to take photos of me crying on the floor when I'm riddled with mastitis, trying to breast pump in agony and feeling like my life is over. I want to remember this. Mm. So I remember him like taking these photos and me saying, I am never doing this again. This is awful mm. um, and I've been I'm really meaning it when I said it but now when you take yourself away from that immediate tricky time now I could imagine having another child I'll be honest I, I really could not be asked to do with that first year is really tricky <laughs> it's really shit it, that, yeah. but it's lovely in many places but it's a lot of it that is just so hard and boring and unrewarded and unseen and unrelenting that I really can't be asked to go back to that bit but I know the result is this lovely funny two-year-old that I've got Mm. um and I really like that bit so I think it's a it's the price you pay it's the tax you pay and I think I'd be willing to pay it again but my husband not so much but I find I find this I think this decision to have another child or not is is feel bigger than the first decision Mm. to have a first child actually which Mm. I hadn't expected we, we've talked a lot actually to to friends and stuff about having the second child and we won't name any names but quite a few of them went one's enough one's enough <laughs> you're like but you've got two they're like yeah one's enough <laughs> yeah let's not yeah. name and let's not name and shame them but, but but i can i can totally see why it feels like a bigger decision did you enjoy mm. being pregnant more or less than you thought you would I really liked it. I think my husband would say I'm lying to myself, but and I'm looking back with rose-tinted glasses. But I, the memories I have of it are really fond. I loved it. I found it magical to watch my body just do its thing and just to be so grateful that I could do everything I normally do, but my body would just get on at the same time and grow another human. And all it asked of me was maybe a little more sleep occasionally and a couple more snacks. But yeah. it could do everything. It's just sensational what your body does and just just, and so rapidly really within you know the terms of your whole life the physical change within nine months is um extraordinary so I did really enjoy it and I loved I loved feeling that big and just like a wall of woman um (laughs) and it and it changed like what I wanted to wear like I loved I've always been a bit had a bit of a weird relationship with my body and always a bit worried about how I look like in clingy clothes when pregnant all I wanted to wear was like skin tight 
um, really? I, was like, I was like a teenager with a misguided voucher. I was like, I just want, <laughs> I want a bit of everything lycra. Um, yeah, just to show it off. And it was lovely not to have it to breathe in and to be like, just to be proud of my lumps and bumps. And I, I loved it. I really loved it. And I loved the, the sensation of the baby moving inside me, especially as they get bigger. And it's just, it's so special. And now I I can't really remember what it's like. And I'm so like jealous of you, Kate, because I know that you'll be feeling it every day. You'll be feeling these little wiggly worms inside you. And it's, um, it's just magic. And then when that is such a special time and it's just you and the baby and your one being but with two hearts it's yeah. magic it's nuts I still can't get my head around it even though there's only a month to go I'm currently at the stage where feeling her move is weirding me out a bit I loved it at first but last night right. felt like she was kicking the shit out of my rib cage made me feel slightly nauseous like not sick as in uh that's disgusting as in it genuinely when she's turning or she's moving a lot I'm like oh because you're sitting on the sofa and suddenly you go oh I'm like oh my god the baby's coming the baby's coming you're like no no she's just moving and then you're just sitting there helpless like I can't do anything here yeah yeah. and just for the record Ellie you looked gorgeous when you were pregnant I remember watching stand up of you and you were like in a foxy sparkly short dress legs that went on for days and you had your bump and you just looked I was like she's doing stand up prego Honestly, working when I was pregnant, doing stand-up comedy when I was pregnant was my probably my favourite time of my really? career. I've just, I just enjoyed it so much because I felt... I also think pregnant women look magnificent but also funny. Like, physically, <laughs> you are funny, right? It's just a funny thing to behold. Um, so just... And I loved being a visibly pregnant woman in a position of power. You don't see that very often. Like, you know, to mm. be on stage commanding an audience. I loved, like, representing pregnant women up there to say, do you know what we can do anything that you can do mm-hmm. while pregnant. And I also happened to be in high heels for that particular gig, which was madness. And Unreal, just a, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and just a ridiculously short dress. And just, I felt like an absolute boss, which I don't often feel like, but yeah, I did. I love that. It's fantastic. How did, how did you deal with the, the tiredness? Cause I know for Kate, that's been a pretty big thing. Like you're not a napper Kate. And yet I'll come downstairs and she's curled <laughs> up with the dogs. Like they're in a pack. Um, so how did you deal with the tiredness part especially you know performing on stage you really got to get up for it right yeah the tiredness was hard particularly the first trimester I remember there was a quite a few double nap days but I just felt so fortunate that I could nap I wasn't working a nine-to-five in an office I wasn't working in a shop those poor Mm. bloody women who can't you know don't have the luxury of nipping off for a little half an hour snooze you just sort of power through and just People always say, make the most of the sleep. And I really did. I really bloody did before that baby came. Yeah, first trimester was a joke. I like yeah. would literally just close my eyes and fall asleep. Let's move on to the birth. What kind mm. of birth did you plan on having and how did that plan go? I had a, a C-section, planned C-section, mm-hmm. and I had a planned C-section, so tick, tick. So I was really pleased uh, to be able to get the birth that I wanted. It was for a variety of reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I was. Really, I had to sort of fight for it a little bit because I had a baby on the NHS and I managed to get the birth I wanted with my doctor's support. And I was really, I was so relieved at the end. I dealt with a couple of horrible consultants and then I found a lovely consultant um, who really understood where I was coming from. And um yeah, when she granted me the C-section and literally was like, okay, and then pulled up her Google calendar to like slot me in for a cut and blow dry. Um, <laughs> it, was, it was magic. And I cried because I was so relieved to get the birth I wanted. Yeah, and yeah. You know, I know you're having a plan cesarean as well, Kate. Mm. It's just, honestly, my birth was 
so joyful. Was it? Oh my God, it was the best. I would say my baby was lifted into joy in that room. <laughs> it was so lovely. Everyone was so friendly. We had music playing that we wanted. Um, the staff were just absolutely delightful. And um, yeah, it was. And then she, <laughs> she was born in November. Um, she got put on my chest as um, Mariah Carey's All I Want for Christmas Is You is playing. Stop um, it. <laughs> No way. In November. I love it. That's um, amazing. Yeah. It was really, really magic. And I'll always remember it so fondly. Oh, that's the, um, so good that, yeah. you, that you got the birth you wanted. Shame you had to fight for it. But for me, uh, it's, it's the anxiety of, of not knowing how it's going to pan out that, that drove me to the decision of wanting a, a planned abdominal birth. Because I genuinely think if that wasn't an option and I, I didn't know that you could choose that, I don't even know if I would have been able to have tried for a baby because it's it's one of my biggest fears. It's terrifying, the idea of it. And I t- kudos to any woman who wants to do that and has the birth that they want that way. Like, Absolutely. Amazing. It's just such a different mindset, isn't it? Because mm. like, I know some women would, the idea of a cesarean is their worst nightmare, whereas for you and I, mm. it's the other way around. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I'm a real big advocate of a woman trying to get the birth however she wants it. I mean, and also what I kept thinking was, well, what if I'd go down... Um, the vaginal route and then uh you end up with an emergency cesarean anyway and I know like out of eight of my NCT friends eight of us in the group I think half ended up having cesareans in the end anyway mm-hmm. and I just thought I don't want to put myself in that position where I I've got some complicated weird funny skin I just thought I don't want to like ruin myself down there and then also get to the point where I have to have an emergency c-section I just want to know I want it planned yeah. I want to put diary thank you very much there's something really comforting knowing that we are going to go into hospital yes on this day and we know what time we've got to be there oh. do you remember how close to your due date that you packed your hospital bag or oh, pretty late you know Phew. yeah pre- yeah pretty late probably should have done it a bit earlier but I did everything late I was a bit I liked being pregnant and liked all that stuff but the actual getting to grips with the practicalities took me a long while to get on board with I found that very overwhelming mm. and I remember being quite pregnant going to my mum's house and she'd in my old bedroom, she'd um, or my sister had left all the little clothes of my nieces and nephews all been washed and folded up. And my oh. mum said, Go upstairs and have a look. And I went in and I sort of looked, nearly shat myself and walked out again. I was like, <laughs> I just can't. I know I'm having a baby, but I don't need, I don't want to take these clothes home right now. I can't, I'm not quite there accepting this is going to happen. Um, Shelly. Shelly's got a passing pigeon. <laughs> So yeah, I was a bit late with packing my bag. Have you started thinking about all that yet? Do you know what? It's the same. My friend Kate from Manchester sent three boxes of clothes down. She had a little girl in um, March last year. And she's like, I've sent you three boxes of newborn clothes. This was back in October. They are unopened. They are upstairs in the nursery. I'm just, I'm not ready to do it yet. We haven't built the, the cot yet, have we? No, we haven't. We, well, we tried to on Sunday and we gave up. Mate, after. they won't be in the cot for like six months. Don't worry True. about it. Oh no, it's it's the next to me bed, the crib. Oh, next yeah. to me. Oh it's, yeah, you should say that one. Don't even know I'm dead. <laughs> <laughs> don't even know I'm dead. But it does transform into a cot later on. That's why you're getting confused, babe. Fine, fine. Um, Shirley, please, Shirley, please. We are trying to record a podcast. This is not about you. <laughs> not about you. Let's talk about that first moment you walked through the door at home with your daughter. What were those first few hours like? How did you feel? Um, I think it was, I think the, the moment from having the baby to getting home were, it was wild times. Um, because I should say not like plenty of women have cesareans and yes of course it's uncomfortable there's no easy way to have a baby but I do not think I fared particularly well I found the recovery really hard um, very very painful so mm. from I had the baby in hospital all wonderful amazing until they said right you need to stand up and walk at which point I cannot explain I've never been in so much pain in my life 
like I was crying I was just making noises that I've never made before um but again my sister was up and about walking with no painkillers within a day like it's totally dependent on the person Mm -hmm. and I, I was in so much pain I was convinced something had gone wrong or something my husband starts piping up helpfully saying or maybe they left something inside you thanks darling (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh yeah it was pretty awful and then it's just so weird so then I managed to you know walk around a little bit and had just downing the pills and the aura morphine and um and in the end we said to my I said to my husband go home there's no point two of us being knackered and you just having to sleep on a chair you know when I was had enough morphine I was off my tits and it was quite joyful until I had to again get up to go for for a wee in the middle of the night and then that took me ages and then it's all like well what do do I leave the baby I don't know can I do I take the baby with me like she's a handbag to the toilet (laughs) Um, that's a really good question what do you do do you leave the baby on the ward yeah just left it yeah (laughs) left her and then I had to pee in a in a jug so I could check my pee was fine so then I'm like this in absolute agony sort of just stalking around this ward in the middle of the night with a jug full of my own steaming urine trying to find a nurse to show I was like what is this life (laughs) um and then got sent home the next day without any painkillers which is my real bugbear um I've subsequently found out that that's not normal as such it seems to be very much down to the individual doctor's point of view but I would say to UK if you some women don't feel like they need extra painkillers some women are very happy on paracetamol and ibuprofen I was not but then they sort of started saying to me well you know if you're breastfeeding it can transfer over to the baby and then I've subsequently heard from other doctors that you know any other abdominal surgery you would be sent home with definitely something stronger than painkillers you can buy from the SO and there are painkillers that are safe to breastfeed if you want to do that so don't let them palm you off Kate just but just beware um so yeah, went home with no painkillers and um, got, I just remember opening the front door. My mum and dad picked us up from the hospital, dropped us home. And I sat in an armchair and stared at her and she was in her car seat on the floor. And I just thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> and then proceeded the most weird night of my life where she was in the next to me cot and then she's crying. And I suddenly, I'm like, well, I've, I've fed her. I've changed, I've burped her. I, oh that's it I don't know what else you do yeah and then I proceeded to and I never did this again but I wandered around the house with the crying baby and now I look back and I go why did I do that and I think I did that because it felt like something a woman would do in a, a sitcom or a rom-com <laughs> with the newborn I know what I, you mean yeah so I was like trying to play the part and I didn't know what to do and then I remember we were just let I laid us both down God knows what, on the living room carpet and then I just remember the street lights sort of really eerily lighting us as she was wailing next to me and I did just think oh my god I've ruined my life and uh, <laughs> that sort of um yeah mindset continued for quite a while I had quite a dark newborn period and again not all women have this um it is really tricky especially the first weird hormonal days where you're just you just go bats you're yeah. absolutely bats but it, it, it's hard to rationalize it because you know it's mostly hormones and it's not you know real I say in inverted commas but you are feeling every bit of it and it's just so up and down and topsy-turvy with your um husband what I'm trying to figure out I suppose is what I can do at this time without making it worse because that's usually you know as soon as you try and help you just make it worse as a, yeah. as a man what did he do or what could he have done in that period there where you were kind of struggling to to help looking back yeah he was he was amazing. He was really good. I think your role there is as a partner is just to help the mummy and mm. 
look after the mummy as much as you are looking after the baby. So making sure Kate's got a drink and Kate's got some food and you're making sure that, you know, the washing's been done, the f- you've gone to the shops, just all those things. I used to, I basically started calling my husband Dobby. He was our little health elf. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your role. You are Dobby. Don't give her ideas. I love this. Don't uh, give her ideas. And Dobby, that's going to be your name. Yeah, Dobby. And just reassure Kate and tell her that she's doing a wonderful job. And I think just if you can be a pillar of support and strength and pretend you've got it even if you don't think you have necessarily and just give her make her and be like a boss and go and tell her to nap because you you won't want to and because your bedroom can become quite um you don't people say sleep with the baby sleeps and my plan before I had the kid was like right I'm gonna just be sort of you know not have a night or day I'm just gonna sleep whenever the baby sleeps that's what everyone says but the reality <laughs> is you don't want to because you're like you just you want to have some grown-up time and you don't want to be in your bedroom all the time in the dark and your bedroom becomes a little bit scary sometimes because it's the place where all hell breaks loose at night nights can be really dark so you you want to get out of that bedroom but you need to kind of be bullied to go and nap in there properly rather than just napping on the sofa and still having an ear open i feel like we're both prepared for the for the first three months to be an endless cycle of eating sleeping and crying but then I guess nothing can prepare you for the actual thing sounds like you your hormones your mental state you're in quite a dark place and it's it's really good that your hubby got you through that did you seek any help elsewhere no because now I look back on it and I don't know whether it was more than the normal baby blues who's Mm -hmm. to say um I don't know I think what I've realized is no matter how many books you've read or you know, parenting classes you've been to, as much as you know, you can say, yes, the first three months will be hard. Mm-hmm. There's knowing that and then there's living it. And you cannot know until you know. Yeah. And, you know, in three months, Kate, you will know. And and I always I feel bad talking about it because I did have such a dark time with it. But not everyone does have such a dark time with it. And even if you do, it does get better. It really, really does get better. When? When does it start to feel a bit normal? When did you turn that corner? I think maybe um, four or five months it started to seem less oppressive. Wow, that was a long time. Yeah, it was a long time. And I was also trying to work as well. It was, it's really hard. It's, but again, I did it. I did it. I think we've, we've been messaging about this, Kate, when I'm you know, talking about going to work and I was saying that when you you sort of agree that you're going to go back to work after X amount of months and at the beginning, when you've got a newborn in your head, you'll be thinking, oh my God, I've got to go back to work in three months. This is impossible. How am I going to do it? But you will be in three months time when you start or however many months when you start work again, your brain will be in such a different place. You'll be, you'll be a different mum and you will have a different baby. Things will be a world away from those, from those first um, those first you know week or two and it just gets more manageable and less unpredictable and and it sort of changes I mean my kids are unpredictable now but you know she sleeps through um she goes to daycare Lovely. once they go to daycare oh my god or you have some kind of childcare if you are working it's amazing you just get you get your life back I drop her at the gates and I'm free <laughs> oh my god like sometimes I do think I like her more when I'm not with her um, <laughs> <laughs> just to have that freedom is glorious it. absolutely glorious hey it's kaylee cuoco for priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the priceline app right now and save up to 60 percent on hotels so whether it's cousin kevin's kazoo concert in kansas city go kevin or becky's bachelorette bash in bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the priceline app today your savings are waiting 
to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What's the one thing no one tells you about the first three months? I think everyone did tell me that it was hard. Yeah. I always think it's interesting when women go, why did no one tell me it was this hard? I think everyone tells you it's hard, but like yeah. I said, you can't know it's hard until you experience it. Um, so I'm always like, I like to, <laughs> I like to tell everyone how horrific it was and hope and always say, but it might not be like that for you. Like this yeah. is one option. And if it is, I'm here and I went through that too. Come talk to me whenever. But if not, go for your life. And whatever, however it is, even if you're in head over heels with your babe, it only gets better. So either way you look at it, it will only get better. Yeah, we think it's going to be quite glum for and, the first three and these And these days, more than ever, I'm constantly, you know when you go onto Instagram and you go to search for somebody and then those suggestions come up? I'll go on to search for somebody and I keep seeing photos and videos of crying women with babies. Oh, There's a God. lot of women out there saying, this is shit. This mm. is hard. For some reason, they keep appearing and I'm like, oh, there's another crying woman with <laughs> a baby. algorithm is really I know. Fuck you up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I guess right yes. now, in, in the time of COVID land, when new mums don't have the normal support, they can't go out to groups, they can't meet up for coffees, they're trying to connect in some way. And yeah. I found the connection from other women in the early days was so important to me. And it was from some of my best friends but then a lot of the time it would be people I didn't really know people I just know over Instagram yeah they would be asking me how I was and that little just checking in throwing me a lifeline really dragged me to the other side I think that just collection of women who know what it is and I know that they've done it and they've got through it and just someone to go oh it is shit do you know why you're finding it shit because it's it is a total bag of shit that's why it's hard and you're doing so well and just people to like to cheerlead you through it um and you you will have that you will find your weird community of women some of whom you absolutely expect to be there some of whom you didn't expect to be there but they are and they're just as important as like you know your best friends I feel quite fortunate to have such an amazing kind of it's almost like a friendship group mm, like and, yeah. and without of without 200,000 people <laughs> <laughs> and without without NC because we haven't done any NCT we didn't feel yeah. like doing it over zoom was was mm. just something we wanted to do and so we are going to be lacking that kind of connection of parents in the same boat but it's really nice that you've got well, you've internet got, friends you've got mates in america so that's mm. always handy for you know if you're up at three in the <laughs> yeah. morning they'll probably be that's up true yeah. that is very true now that you have a routine how smoothly does it run do you feel like as each year goes on you're enjoying it more because russell kane when we had him on do you remember when he said yeah. toddlers are a fucking nightmare you'll wish you were back at the newborn phase <laughs> Yeah, I, do you know, I don't feel like that. Like, my, so mine is a toddler now, but I still would, I'd much rather have this phase than the newborn really? stuff for me, yeah. Yeah, people seem mm. to excel in different areas. I was, yeah, the newborn bit, like I said, just a bit thankless and boring. Um, but now she's, my one is, yeah, she's two and she's talking and she's really funny and you can go and have adventures. So, yeah, I'm really, I like, I like where she is now. I think I still get a bit, um, I wish I'd been a bit more chilled out with routines, which I know actually Russell's really into, isn't he? He's all about, his, yeah. you know, she must go to sleep at 8.01 sort of thing, which I think absolutely at the beginning, I, I got a bit like that and it actually made me a bit, um, I just sort of 
didn't want to leave the house because I'd be like, oh, no, she has the, the right for nap one. She must have that in the cot. Nap two can be in the cot. Nap three, maybe in the pram, perhaps in the sling, but ideally also in the cot. Um, and I got a bit rigid and it, so it would sort of limit what I would do. Whereas I think if I had another child, inevitably, if you've got two, you just kind of, the babe has to go with whatever you're up to, doesn't mm. it? Because you've also got another child to look after. But yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a bit less regimented than I used to be, which I think is better for everyone. But I'm still, I still find myself getting a little bit flappy if like we're having dinner half an hour later and I'm like oh my god the world's going to implode and my husband's like she's just there watching room on the broom she's fine she's you're having the meltdown not her it's, um, it's weird isn't it because I think when you're not a parent and you talk to parents they're like no sorry we can't see it this time because she's sleeping you're like oh god why can't you just chill out and then when you're about to become a parent you're like oh that's why that's right, because your that's life will be hell for the next three days. Yeah, it is. And also, because my my one's old, she has only one nap a day now. So I'm like, well, I could go and see a friend and then she can nap in the car on the way back. But then I lose my two-hour break. I don't enjoy <laughs> any of the benefits and I want some time off. So I'm like, well, no, I'm just going to make her put her in a cot. I won't see my friend. And then I'll have two hours to watch Bridgerton <laughs> and sit around on my phone. I oh, thank you very much. Um, <laughs> So you have to you have to prioritise. <laughs> Do you remember the first time she smiled at you and what you were doing? Please tell me you told her a really funny joke. It's sort of it it isn't as clear cut as you think, or I oh, thought. Is it I not? think that yeah, I think it was. It sort of happens, but yeah, when the proper giggles start, that's the best. And then do you know we had? Oh, I had a first the other day that I've never had before. She said, um, "I love you, Mama. I love you so much." And I was like, "Oh my God!" <laughs> Um, and that's yeah that's really magic when she's yeah that's really special what about sleep do you remember the first time she slept right through and how did you celebrate did you go out on a bender and just drink loads of champagne (laughs) I remember um in the morning like my mum would text and ask how she'd been that night and it was usually Mm. I'd just send the emoji of the bin because I used to say how I want to put her in the bin (laughs) instead of a song I'd sing to her naughty baby going in the bin going in the bin so yeah she was quite often a bin baby but I, and I would, but I would also sing to her um from singing in the rain good morning good morning you didn't sleep the whole night through and I would I was like one day I'll be able to say you slept the whole night through I will be able to sing that yeah oh my god and I remember it just got closer and closer so it would be like she would go till five like to four for a feed then it was five for a feed and then I think we got to six and then yes. that was yeah pretty special that was pretty and then once that happens it is like once you can sort of guarantee till at least six, like what a, it's just, it's a game changer. And then you get greedy and you're like, oh, why is it half on seven? Like the girl at preschool. Um, but yeah, it, and it will happen, Kate. It will happen. That's the one thing you just always got to keep in the back of your mind. She will, she will, she will, she will. Yeah. She'll Did she regress uh, in sleep at any point as well? Because we've, we've heard about that, that, that they're kind of on a good timetable and then suddenly it's all, yeah there was the four month regression was pretty horrific for us that was like back to newborn wake-ups she was waking up like seven or eight times a night but yeah I mean it's still like it's not like cast iron guarantee there's still like if she's unsettled or if she's teething or if she's not feeling well or if she's you know just been overtired then she can still wake up a, a couple of times in the night do you remember the first time you left her overnight because we've spoken about this about possibly yeah. like the first time we'll leave and go away for like Two weeks to the Seychelles. Oh. <laughs> yes, <laughs> just, mate. just one night. I imagine that I will be really excited about it, but then I might be like I am with the dogs and I can't wait to get home and see them. Do you know, I've always been really fine at leaving her. I've never yeah. had that. Um, I've always been excited to see her again. I mean, it's like, it's not like a, 
when I'm apart from her, it's never like mournful, like, oh God, I want to cry. <laughs> it's more about the seeing her again. And then that feels like Christmas Eve. It's yeah. it's that sort of missing. Um, and yeah, I think the first time I left her overnight, I had a few jobs where I had to go away and I left my, hus- my husband with the baby. And I think his mum was over. Um, his, he's Australian, so his mum came over and stayed for quite a long time. And mm-hmm. they were just the two of them. Looked, And that was absolutely fine. So it did feel weird to not be with her. And I was also mm-hmm. breastfeeding. So I was like pumping away. Um, <laughs> without her there but yeah I I really enjoy, I always like I said I really enjoy not being with her it makes me such a better better person when I get excited to see her again and when I'm not like oh god leave me alone it's better <laughs> for all of us when we have time apart from each other and she's the same like when she comes out from nursing she's so chuffed to see me um, it's just really nice for everyone to get a break what was her first word I think ball or bubble <laughs> um, yeah, she's she, watching she, the news. She, she's um, she's quite. She's always been quite slow developmentally. Like she's a bit of the dum dum. But now she's all, all right. that time in the bin. Yeah, all that time in the bin. Yeah, um, but yeah, we, like she was always very like behind all her NCT friends who could do you know a thousand things when she was always very for things at her own pace. But now you yeah. know you always say they catch up, and she's she's such a chatty little thing now. She's such a smart little bird now, but. Um, there was a while, yeah, we used to call her Dum Dum, little slug baby. <laughs> but I think that's a lovely bit as well. When you sort of, you, that's the, the thing I hadn't realised, a, a lovely thing about you and your partner having a kid is that you there's a whole new world of fun to have. There's a whole new thing to, you know, be sarcastic about. And, oh, my God, did you see that episode of Octonauts? Oh, which I want to kill the clangers. I want to kill the clangers. Like, do you know what I mean? It's just like this whole, if you can join in with the silly and play yeah. and, find, yeah. and find the fun within the domesticity and the monotony of it that really helps to sort of see you through i think we're definitely going to compete on whether we can get her to say mama or dada first aren't we probably we, we like to compete on things so <laughs> yeah. there's going to be our child oh, it'll be dada dada's just easier you yeah. that's cheating and better, <laughs> and, and better. sure sure <laughs> Were there any moments in the first year where you thought to yourself, I'm a bad mum? I mean, there was many a time where I haven't, I'm not, haven't got very good spatial awareness. So I'd be holding her and then walk through a door and then like whack her head in the door. <laughs> I'm so of scared that. of that because I do that to my own head all the time. <laughs> Honestly, I, I wake up with the nightmare that I've just whacked her into something. And I'm really clumsy. I'm always dropping things or breaking things. And he's just looking at me going, how are you going to? She's going to end up with a head like a rhombus, isn't it? All just different <laughs> angles. <laughs> loads of bits like that I've just I'm writing a book about um having a kid at the moment and that's one of the things I've just been writing about is that all the different like one of the things I've learned is that you will injure your child much more than you'd realize so it'll be like the head on the door frame she'll get twatted in the park on the swings <laughs> when you're not looking and my dad's favorite story is how he dislocated my sister's elbow when putting on armbands for swimming Amazing. no <laughs> a lady told me how she accidentally she sounds awful she was putting her little boy in a baby grow and she was it was a zip up one she's zipped it up and she got his little tiny ball sack caught in the zip something about Mary isn't it oh god kind of it's the baby equivalent of it that is so oh my goodness she must have felt terrible I just remember actually my dad we went swimming with my dad and me and my sister and he dropped my sister on the side of the pool and knocked her teeth out remember that what she was about four or five i think yeah but these just, will happen you will, you will collect your own stories of the time you were cutting her nails and you like got a finger in it like it will definitely happen and you'll definitely feel like a bad mum. but yeah you're, you know, but you're doing your best and it's, it's none of it best. is intentional exactly yeah. we can't even keep a basil plant alive so i'm um, fingers crossed we can take more care of our daughter than a basil plant <laughs> uh, let's talk about your book by the way uh, which is called my child and other mistakes 
how to ruin your life in the best way possible. That's I love that extra line. Yeah, I know. She's going to love me when she's older, isn't she? An honest report from the front line of parenting. It says here that this book asks the questions nobody wants to admit asking themselves, like, do I wish I hadn't had one and spent the money on a kitchen island instead? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so do yeah. you? <laughs> yeah, uh, I've got a kitchen lining now, so thank goodness Wait. that's out. It's not, it's not a choice. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, I'm so pleased to have written it. It's the kind of book that I would have liked to have read when I was thinking about having a kid or being pregnant or had a newborn. So it's no like, it's not, you know, there's no useful diagrams on how to massage a perineum or how to prepare a carrot and give it to, to, to a toddler safely. There's nothing like that. It's mm. just my take on like an idiot who decided that she wanted to get knocked up even though she wasn't maternal and it's talking through that decision and pregnancy and having the baby the apocalyptic newborn days um and then sort of how you move on from that how you return to work how you have a marriage you know all of these things just in a way it's a my pregnancy birth and experience of motherhood are completely ordinary there's nothing you know amazingly interesting happened there was no awful jeopardy or tragic moment very usual tale of a woman having a child and yet I think that is the experience of so many women and Mm. that is what I'm trying to reflect back I think and the fact that within every ordinary tale of a baby being born to that woman and to that family it is a seismic event it's very run-of-the-mill and yet at the same time mind-blowingly enormous and that's the weird dichotomy about having a child that it's just so commonplace and yet still so extraordinary at the same time i feel like i'm going to relate to this book so hard when's Can't it out? wait it's out in may but you can pre-order it now so just too late for us brilliant so we'll get through the first <laughs> few months without knowing what, what's um what would you say is the one piece the kind of top piece of advice that you'd say to any mums to be or or to Kate in the situation as a mum to be what's the one kind of recommendation you'd have I think it's so interesting when you um all the different conversations you would have had Kate and the conversations you will have when the baby's here and women will tell you different things and then occasionally just a little piece of advice will pop out and it will really resonate with you and you'll cling on to that little bit Um, Mm. and I think the stuff that really sort of stuck out for me were um one of my friends saying to me it used to really help me when I used to just say to myself this is my job and that I remember thinking yes I remember like I remember specifically one it was like she was a couple of months old she was it was you know the thousandth time she'd woke me up that night I was absolutely exhausted it's you know if you've ever been woken up by a fire alarm in a hotel it's that sort of you're being pulled out of sleep like that multiple times a night it's like because the cries just go through and you you have to like swim to the surface to make yourself conscious again to feed them and then she wouldn't settle and I felt like I'm at the end of my tether I want to cry but then I remember that and I thought you know what this is my job I don't have to do anything else right now. Do your job. Lean into it. Accept it. Stop resenting her and resenting the fact that you're up. It is what it is. She needs you. Lean into it and do your job. And that's such good advice. That yeah. Great, yeah. Never really heard help. anyone say that. You if you know can I mean? pull yourself back from the edge, I think that can be a helpful way of looking at it. It's like tough love on yourself, isn't it? To be mm. like just remind yourself that you know you can cry and you can have a pity party and oh my god. I had a million of those and they absolutely yeah. do what they need to do at points but there's sometimes where you do have to be like come on here we go one last question in terms of relationships what's one tip you would have kind of give us one piece of advice about keeping our relationships strong 
in those difficult first 12 months? Yeah, I think kindness is king and accepting that the other person may be more tired than you. They may have, there'll be days when you've had less sleep than them, mm. but they are still the more tired one. And you just have to accept that, give everyone a break and um, just try not to make it competitive and resentful. And also I think perhaps, <laughs> I think for all partners, it's, I found it quite difficult when I was, you know, trying to, I was breastfeeding the child sort of tied to my baby for a long time. And my, I remember my husband saying to me at one point, he was like, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow. And it really annoyed me because it wasn't the fact that he was going to the gym. It was the fact he hadn't said, uh, if you don't mind, I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow, if that's okay. <laughs> it's because yeah. he just said, like, yeah. he can get up and fuck off and leave. I can't. I can't just yeah. do that. So don't assume that I am default childcare. Don't just assume it reverts to me. Mm. Just ask permission. It's just semantics. It's playing with words. It doesn't make a difference with the end outcome. But it just makes everyone feel like involved and not ignored or taken for granted. And yeah, just try and find the fun. And I think the fact you guys have done this podcast, you've got such a fun relationship. I think, and you've got little doggies. Uh, I think, um, you know what it's like to take care of something between you. So just just try and share the load and, and be kind and remember that it does get better and your relationship won't always be this fractured because it sort of becomes like your shift workers working opposite uh, rotors. Um, mm. one's awake one's asleep and that is definitely the best way of doing it just to try and maximize sleep for both of you but um, that does mean if you do that it sort of becomes I found that I I missed my husband and he would be in the same house as me mm. um, yeah. oh, so that's just, interesting yeah yeah it's like your your relationship will definitely change but it won't always be like this immediate first few months where it's it's mad it will revert back to something more like you're used to and then you'll find you'll find your way through as long as you stay stay kind and connected and do some silly Instagram stories together that will be the way through <laughs> the funny thing is is we, we were meant to be getting married this year in June and Kate was like yeah we can have the baby before then and everything you've just said I'm so glad we've delayed it a year I'm so glad as well I don't know what we were thinking well, I, we... I said we should delay it another year but you looked at me like I was actually asking you to get divorced the... before getting married so <laughs> I some... just stepped back I haven't even had her yet but the thought of planning a wedding just three months which after which flowers would you want what, I know. what DJ oh would you want God. I don't care yeah. I can't believe we were even considering that, that. Yeah. You're uh, yes we're exactly. on. So we've decided to give it a year and then right, we'll be in a much better position, won't we, to enjoy the wedding. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for your brilliant advice. It's been really wonderful having you on the podcast. Um, good luck with your book. I can't wait to read it, even though it comes out a few months after we've had the baby. <laughs> Maybe you can send me a sneaky peek now and I can read it before I have her. No worries. Silence says everything. I yeah. thought she was going to say no. No, I thought she was going to say absolutely not. Get no, fucked, Kate, pre-order it. Go on it. the link and buy it yourself like a normal person, for God's sake. <laughs> we will um, we'll put the um, the link in the bio of the episode so anyone who wants to oh, pre-order can find it there. Marvellous. Oh, it's so lovely to talk to you. I'm just, oh, I'm so much love and luck and I can't wait to see the little babe and find out her name and see if you have a mental breakdown like me, Kate. Sail <laughs> on through. It's almost guaranteed, isn't it? I know. That was useful. Super useful. Very useful for now. Like, not, you know, what I'm not saying it was my... Now? Well, for the next year. Not literally now. Now, it has no purpose. <laughs> but in about a month, it will be extremely useful. I like... Sorry, you confused me because you said for now. <laughs> now is a, a broad term. <laughs> Do you know what I like about Ellie, it, what, what she did there? She basically went, Do you know what? I'm going to look at my future. Can't see it without kids. And she just did it. No fuss. Exactly, Baxter. I wonder what that would have been like. 
What are you trying to say? Yeah, I did. I kicked up a fuss. You know what I'm a trying to say. A seven-year fuss. Yeah. I, I kicked up a seven-year fuss because you know what? I like to keep you on your toes. I might have actually told you the incorrect due date just because I want to keep you on your toes. For all you know, might not be due till March. You're not that conniving. No, I'm You're not. not that cunning. No, I'm not. You're right. Do you know what? It's interesting to see how um, how she went from being totally ambivalent to now wanting another one. Mm. Why are you looking at me like that? I am not that person, seriously. Everyone has said to me, once you have one, you'll want another. I mean, we, we don't know, do we? Because, you know, your your hormones might say to you, you know what? Mm. Make your life harder and have another one. <laughs> and then you can't say no to the hormones. Mm. I don't think you will because mm. of your age. No offence. No offence taken. Yeah. Um, do you know what? I'm happy with one. Yeah. One and done. Is that what the phrase is? One and done, babes. Last night we were talking about, um, we were on the phone, weren't you, to your friend, yeah. Mike. And um, <laughs> I pointed out that our daughter could marry his son. He was very excited by this, wasn't he? <laughs> he was like, oh, we could bond our houses. I was like, this isn't Game of Thrones, okay? Yeah. He's, he's got a dowry of camels and mead for me. I, that's <laughs> two different things. But yeah, it's, it's funny how you start to think of that. Because you were like, they could really get married. I was like, let's not put the pressure on them. But it's not out of the realms of possibility. No, I mean, of course it's not. But How like, many camels would you want for Nitschke? <sighs> right now, 30. <laughs> if she has a degree, it's going to go up to 50. So, you know, she's oh, an educated girl. Hopefully she'll pay attention in school, unlike me. Anyway, thank you to everyone who's been on Apple Podcasts and left us some lovely five-star reviews. And, um, yep, we know if you're on Android, uh, if you don't own an iPhone, it's a bit unfair. But you know what? Download iTunes. You can do it there. Just Question. a suggestion. Go can, on. Can you have iTunes on Android? Yes, of what. Well, no, I'm a not, technophobe. Not I on don't... your mobile, on your, on your, like, on your laptop, on oh, your right. desktop PC. So if you have like a Dell laptop, you can still download like iTunes. Like me, in front of me here. Exactly. Really? Just a suggestion. I'm such yeah? a grandma, I didn't know that. Just, I'm saying, download iTunes. Don't let little obstacles get in the way of your dreams. Or in this case, unwarranted praise that's been requested by the host of a weekly podcast. Do you work in sales? Because uh, that was a seamless sell, that. I should do, shouldn't I? You sounded like you were um, doing a pitch. Apple might pay me for the downloads of iTunes. Hi, Sophie Ann, 21, and NB Hall, 2019. <laughs> Shout out to Myla, 21, forward slash 10. I think she was born on the 21st of October. Uh, hi to Eleanor, 86, Rasha, 70, Dula Kimberly, KCHW, 77. People are really naming their kids strange names nowadays, aren't they? <laughs> what happened to Oliver and Jack? Thank you so much for all of your lovely reviews and ratings on Apple Podcasts. Indeed. And that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with How Prepared Are We As Parents? With four weeks to go. Yes. So we've got a week to prepare, basically. Okay. To good, make good. us look good. Panicking. Have a great week. We'll catch you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.